Well, given that it, it's it's a Japanese one with a demonic robotic bear um, and various anime characters, it doesn't make much sense, so it wouldn't matter. Good to know that as a grown adult man, you're playing games like that. Yeah. Well, how did you enjoy the Lego movie, Steve? I, thought, yeah, I bet you didn't look weird as the only old man in there. Did you wear your big long Mac as well? <laughs> Tied with string. Right. Ready? Yeah. Well, hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast. Joining me for this edition are assistant editor Steve Withers. Every Halloween, the trees are filled with underwear. Every spring, the toilets explode. News editor Mark Hodgkinson. You guys playing cards? Games editor Mark Botwright. Hello. And audio audio reviewer Ed Selly. Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. Well, to kick off this week, I think we need to go back to the Great Biscuit debate of uh, of last week. It seems to have created quite a bit of debate on uh, on the forums. I noticed that uh, everybody was getting involved there. Let's have a look at what has been said uh, about the biscuits of choice. And also, I think it's uh, it's only right that in honour of the Oscars last night that we have the Great British Biscuit Oscars. So, nominees and what was raised that um, you found entertaining? Let's go ahead first. Well, as you know, I was viewing this as an outsider, but clearly, uh, for those of you that drink biscuits, uh, sorry, drink biscuits, drink tea and eat biscuits and then combine the two, I didn't realise that it was such a minefield of, of biscuit structural integrity and, and you know, whether you want a chocolatey rim, which still sounds unsuitable, <laughs> however you phrase it. You brought it up. Chocolatey oh, rim with a, with a cream yes. filling presumably would be really, really bad. Oh, dear, Stephen. Oh, dear. Um, I, as I say, I, I drink coffee and I don't eat biscuits. So, the, the, you know, I, I was watching this. Uh, I read the thread with, with sort of a, a growing sense of amazement that, that but, you have time to do anything else. I mean, frankly, it sounds like a full-scale research program. Well, it? Ed, I was going to say, I mean, you've got an engineering background here. I mean, it seems to be quite an engineering challenge. Challenge. Now, you say that, I would like to nominate the team that won a useless science award for showing locusts Star Wars to judge their responses. <laughs> that strikes me as the group of time wasters we need on biscuit technology. Um, I, I don't feel I have I don't feel I have the expertise required to make this one work as well as it should, frankly. Um, I mean, I will say that it's not to say that biscuits, uh, there's no real role for biscuits in my life. Um, cheese and biscuits, so not, not these you know, nasty sweet businesses. I mean, for me, it's always been a um, uh, been a, a, an epic battle between the Cars Water Biscuit and the Jacobs Cream Cracker. Oh, Water Biscuit were... every time. No now you see, it. for me, I'd I'd fall on the side of the Cream Cracker. I just feel it goes with more cheeses, and also it's bigger, allowing you to get more cheese onto it. Yes, but it's also too th- it's too thick. I think. Really, I, think I don't. I don't there's, there's too much uh, cracker, it's and like it dominates the cheese. Balls, yeah, well, have well, you ever tried eating two of them? Well, <laughs> Just literally not, one after the, one after the other. Are, it's physically impossible. It's physically you impossible. You are supposed to eat them with cheese. No, Let but me point that out. My dad once bet me, he said, I bet you 10 quid you can't eat two Jacob's crackers one after the other. And I said, of course I can. That'd be ridiculous. I literally physically couldn't. Uh, my saliva just disappeared. Mouth goes completely dry and you can't swallow the bloody thing. You can't eat two of the sods. You can't. I could do two. I, I, I challenge anyone out there, by the way, who's listening to this, to try it. And, I, and can, I can do two. I suppose I might have to fire a webcam up to, to, to be a little horror. Without any cheese though, Ed. Just to... No, no, I can do two. I know I cannot do no, three, but I can the... do two. Without liquid, no liquids at all. Just got to eat the two sodding. Um, no, I, c- I can. I can do two. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm putting a got, line in the sand here. I think we've got an epic video production coming here. <laughs> <laughs> the selfie to end up selfies. Yeah. Are you gonna are you gonna film it in 4K? <laughs> 4K. This is surround like, sound. This is like a really middle class version of neck nomination, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, yeah. Well, it's Ed that's speaking. What do you expect? I mean, you wanted lobster for the snack last week. Right. Uh, Mr. Burright, I noticed you took a, a great deal of interest, especially from an engineering angle uh, with the great biscuit debate. What were your points? Uh, rich tea is uh, an antiquated biscuit. It's designed for cups and saucers. Although, actually, thinking about it, I, I, I now... You drink tea? 
No, but I'm saying it yes, comes. Oh, you. It comes from that era, but not as bad, say, as the malted milk or the niece, oh, in fact. Uh, Oh, well, 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 but you that then on, on tunnocks cakes, tunnocks tea cakes, and things that's like that. not a biscuit. That's not a biscuit. What about what about a tunnocks? Um, what are they called? The wafer things. Well, the pink ones. No, not the pink one. No, oh, well, the ones that are wrapped in like a tart yeah. wrapper. Yeah, caramel caramel called. wafers. Caramel wafers. Mm, it's it's that semi confection, isn't it? It's, 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 it's yeah, that's not a biscuit. It's straddling the line. Biscuit then? No, it's a cake. It's in the name. Well, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know that it's called a jaffa cake. But what's the definition of a biscuit? They've proved it. It's Who, where, who's how it goes it? stale. Who's proved it? They. 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 Yeah. The EU. <laughs> Haven't you heard of them? Yeah. They're the people ruining Britain. Is that, heard? Is that is that they.com and them.com, is it? Yeah. <laughs> ruining and running Britain, them. Yeah. Uh, it's a cake. Uh, it goes hard when it goes stale. Biscuits go soft when they go stale. I can't believe this is news to you, Steve. You really have a lot of catching up in the world of biscuits. Do you remember that the uh, Tunnock's tea cake did actually make it into Viz's biscuit nativity, which we yes, lost hours on? It's That's so- why I started eating them because of that particular <laughs> evening, and and they're really nice. I love them. Oh, they're really sickly, aren't they? Now, well, I'm not saying st- eat all of them in the now. box, but, but what one every now and then is a nice little treat. And they've shrunk. <laughs> no, no, massive, no you just got kid. bigger, Mark. That's no, you <laughs> It was the size of a 12-inch record when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, well, I've lost what we're talking about now. What, what were we talking about there? Uh, Tonics. Uh, tea cakes. Oh, the tannics, no, we tea were cakes. talking about Jaffa cakes. Yeah, so uh, your points were, Mr. Botwright, before you were interrupted. Um, uh, I prefer the supermarket own brand uh, digestives. I prefer the sweetness. Um, I also find it's it's uh, easier to get even saturation of tea. Um, but I would pick up Mark on one point that he made about the hobnob. He said there was too much hob, uh, too much knob actually. Too much knob and not enough hob. Yeah, too <laughs> much knob. Did you not say there was too much knob in the bottom of the cup? Oh, the residue. You can get a residue in the bottom. See, if you're, you're if supposed you're not to. Careful. You're supposed to sieve it. <laughs> the final mouthful is like a whale taking plankton. With that's a tea strainer. Yeah, that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> oh, then you just what, just eat the residue of the teaspoon. No, you sieve through the teeth. You're like a filter feeder. But you're going to use a sieve to finish off your cup of tea. Do you not have a tea strainer? Yes, I've got a tea strainer. Awkward silence. I, I, I have to. I mean, admittedly, it's more my wife that does loose leaf tea than me. But every now and again. Mm-hmm. Loose leaf tea, awesome. It tastes so much better than well, that. I was, I was wondering when we were going to come to this, because in Hong Kong they use Tate's to do it, don't they? <laughs> only when... Well, not, only, well, my president only never Steve that. doesn't take his off. Um, that kind of thing, you have to pay a lot of money. Right? <laughs> uh, no, 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 I'm on about the Heary Bakers. The Heary Bakers did Hong Kong, and they went to this traditional place for their breakfast, which was a mix of English and, uh, and, and Asian um, for breakfast, so it's like fried eggs, bacon, and, and noodles, and all that kind of thing. And they yeah. strained the tea with pairs of tates. I'm sure that sounds, sounds like they're all just doing that for the stupid British cameras. Yeah. It sounds like a modified version of those rugby games where you drink piss through a sock. Yeah, yeah. I'm not drinking tea out of someone's gusset. That's the end of it, right? <laughs> no way. I'm sure you've uh, done worse, Steve. Moving on swiftly. <laughs> We're not getting you out of this one. <laughs> well, when uh, had... but anyway, loose leaf tea though tastes amazing. It's so much yeah. better than than tea bags. Podcast of the people. Oh, let's not start talking about tea bagging. Right, next. Uh, nobody mentioned custard creams. I think the, I think the conversation was centralized centralizing around dunking, wasn't it? And I don't think yeah. the custard cream are a great dunker. They kind of fall apart very quickly, and, and we the got on it melts. Yeah, we got onto the digestive and the chocolate digestive, and there is a tip though. There was complaining about chocolatey finger. Um, if you double them over, that yeah. makes that a actually... A chocolate finger, dip, dipping that. No, if you double over a chocolate digestive, it'll lessen any chance of a chocolate finger-related slippage. So that's It can still tip. seep out of the middle. I've done that, and it does still seep yeah. out if you dunk too long. Mm. Oh, yeah. So you're now eating two chocolate digestives simultaneously? No, just one. You just break it in half. Oh, break it in half. We're not animals. Make it easier to get into the cup as well. I mean, surely, I don't know, I grew up in a house of people with mild OCD. Surely the only joy to a custard cream is seeing if you can prize one side of the biscuit. Without breaking it. Without (laughs) breaking it in any way, shape or form. 
I mean, I know it's much easier with bourbons. There's much less adhesive to that chocolatey stuff. Well, if you stick them in the fridge, they, they come apart really easy. That's cheating. Right? Get you, Hester Blumenthal. <laughs> Let me guess, if you dip them in liquid nitrogen, it's really, really easy. Oh, probably. Uh, the other one that hasn't been mentioned yet is Oreos. That's because oh, American. ghastly American. <laughs> no, they are nice. No one eats those in this country. I do. Yes, they do. We eat Oreos. Yeah, they're really, really popular. Can you dunk them? I'll tell you, I'll tell yeah, you, you that. But you got, you got the, the risk of chocolate again. <laughs> You've always got <laughs> the risk of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bond 22, like that, whatever Bond we're on. Okay, I think we need to uh, move on swiftly by wrapping this up with our uh, uh, British Biscuit Oscars. Uh, best Dunkin' Biscuit is. Hobnob. Chocolate no. Hobnob. Chocolate Hobnob. <gasps> are, are we agreed on that one? It's, 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 it's got everything. It's substantial. So, um, it's sweet. I'd just go for a plain Hobnob, but I'm happy with the chocolate. Hobnob. So the AV Forum's Acad- Biscuit Academy say the chocolate Hobnob. Are we agreed? Right, okay. Uh, best biscuit for taste is? I, I'm going to go with a sweet tooth. I'm going to say the party ring. the party party ring is good for taste and it also makes one of the more uh, precarious dunks I should say (laughs) living on the edge what colour what colour do you like flavour wise uh, it it depends depends on my mood pink orange yellow yellow I do tend to prefer Uh, yeah I'll go with yellow Okay. I was going to say Jaffa cake but then after what Marcus well if you you just hang on you just hang on that's the next category so the next category is cake stroke biscuit stroke. We're not sure what it is, and that would I'll go to Jaffa cake. <laughs> I'd tell tea cake. I'd, I'd, I'm more inclined to go with the Jaffa cake. Uh, Jaffa cake for me. I don't like Jaffa cakes. In fact, I say I don't like them. I've never tried them, so I'm going to say that I don't like them. <laughs> How can you've got to your age and never tried a Jaffa cake? That's f-ing impossible. Don't, I don't like the look of them. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at me in a f-ing way. In what way? Is it a hunk in the middle? With some chocolate, chocolate on the top and a little smashing orange in the middle. No, I'll it. tell you. Well, if you shut up, I'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> they come in a packet. Uh, it, it looks like a biscuity packet to start with. And it, they're calling it a cake. And it looks soft. And I don't like that. There, there's something wrong there. And then people dunk them and then they're soft when they get dunked. There's just, uh, it's like it's, it's a shrunken, it's a shrunken cake. There's just something very untrustworthy about it. I'm sorry, I've not tried it, and I don't intend to. Sorry, just going to say from savoury corner, uh, in terms of things that aren't biscuits but are great in a biscuity way. Uh, just going to say Rivita. Things you can. I mean, obviously you don't want to eat one on its own, but things you can do with Rivita, greatness. Mm. So it's, it's fabulous. Uh, smoked salmon and cream cheese is obviously extremely good on on a, on a Rivita, and um, uh, brie and bacon. If you uh, just uh, heat, heat the uh, the brie up a little bit, uh, that that's particularly messy oh, and geez. probably undermines the slightly you know the health aspect of it, <laughs> quad, quadrupling the calorific intake. But it's very very good. God, we really are street. middle class. Here, aren't we? What? What is middle class about brie? There's certainly nothing middle class about brie. <laughs> uh, pretty much everything, Ed. <laughs> Camembert, brie, dolciata. It's all very middle class. Well, are you saying that if if a cheese isn't bright yellow and hard enough to actually work metal with, it's intrinsically middle class? Yes, basically I am, yes. And to to wrap up the final overall award for the best biscuit slash cake slash confectionery goes to... Wagon Wheel. What? (laughs) (laughs) So I put that one in left field. The wheel. Oh, is that the jammy one or the original? No, no, it's the one that's like chocolate with two sides and a fondant centre. The problem is, if you had a time machine and you went forward 20 years, it would be the size of a 10p piece in 20 years. I can remember the time when they used to be the size of a hubcap, and that wasn't so Yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> they used to be huge. But I'm, I'm disappointed, Phil, that we've reached the end of this segment and we haven't had an excuse for you to say curly whirly. No, it's not a biscuit. But, it's not a biscuit, it's a, it's a sweet curly whirly. <laughs> but it's... It's just very satisfying when you say it. What can I say? Curly Waddley. <laughs> right, enough of this confectionery uh, crap. Let's move on. Hardware news. Now, Ed, you were supposed to go to Hi-Fi Show. I believe you turned up and then had to turn around and come, come back again. But it's a bit Blue Peter, this one, because you have to bring your own. This is right. Absolutely correct. And now in its uh, sixth year, if you can believe that, um, 
is it's it's actually p- brilliantly managed to get the URL for the Hi-Fi Show, uh, kind of stamping its authority on all other Hi-Fi shows. Um, but it's based in uh, Scalford Hall, just outside Melton Mowbray. And yes, the key difference is that instead of it being a manufacturer-based exercise, people bring their own systems. And if that sounds a bit weird, well, I can assure you it is, but in a in a good way, I think it, it's fair to say. Um, uh, Scalford Hall. Uh, has a couple of advantages for the for the role in question. Um, Steve was being very unkind about it before we started recording. Um, but well, you were uh, being unkind about it. Before well, I'm being unkind about it. Too. It, it was it, less flash than the Marriott in Bristol. It's it's gigantic and laid out over about 37 different buildings and floors, which gives everyone lots of space to make their own noise. And uh, rooms come in all sorts of different sizes. So you can have the intimate study-based system where sort of three people can watch it at a time. And there are whacking great rooms as well. I mean, bigger than, comfortably bigger than, for example, the space that Name were doing their statement dem in, in, in Bristol. And um, also, actually, the value spread was quite surprising as well. I mean, um, this year, I think the cheapest system could have been yours for a whisker under 200 pounds and the most expensive yours for a whisker over 175,000 pounds and if you could think about someone bringing their own 175,000 pound system that's quite quite a Ooh. um a commitment well insured <laughs> well i don't know but you know as i say a big bewildering variety of equipment Ooh, and Ed, what, are the, what are the logistics of this then you turn up with a system in your boot set it up in a room and off you go pretty much uh, I mean, you can turn up the day before. I mean, the first time it was done, we had to set up at sort of seven o'clock in the morning prior to people turning up at uh, at nine thirty, which was a bit hardcore. But no, now it's set up the day before. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously, car. If your system is small enough to do car, quite a lot of vans in attendance <laughs> um, because uh, some systems just. I mean, my my system's borderline. It'll fit in the back of a people carrier, but it's it's happier in a van. Um, and yeah, it's 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 entirely bonkers. But um, there is one interesting thing about the difference in the systems between um, the, the the major difference is that uh, at hi-fi shows, commercial hi-fi shows, the equipment you see is um, a, a commercial convenience of equipment either built by one manufacturer, sold by one distributor, or um, sold by one dealer. Uh, there is and and that means it's always in production and it's it's together as much for commercial reality as anything else systems that go to bring your own hi-fi show they're there because the person feels that's the best they can possibly achieve with their given budget and it does lead to some you know some cracking sounding um sort of demonstrations and uh, often uh, you know there were some expensive systems there but equally there were systems perfectly sensible money um that were capable of greatness and you know it, it, it's fun and it doesn't hurt anybody i take it the, the uh the choice of music is better than these uh commercial things where they just play jazz and piano concertos Absolute. and other rest of it. i've never heard austrian death machine at any other <laughs> high-fi show so, um, you know uh i think that's that's got to have it going for it as well yeah there's some i mean um uh, as, as i was explaining this year unfortunately my wife became very ill overnight so i actually left as everyone was turning up on the sunday morning but i listened to a couple of systems the night before um and last year on a system that was worth getting on for sixty thousand pounds listening to daft punk live at the sort of volume that will boil the fluid in your inner ear yeah you're not going to get that at a normal hi-fi show and it's much the it's much the better that you can. It's it's really quite exciting. Um, and hopefully, I'm hoping that one day someone's going to have the uh, the sheer in, you know nuts off insanity to bring an entire AV system. So, what is the? Uh, I mean, what what do the exhibitors get out of this? I mean, obviously they're not selling anything. They're bringing their own their own stuff it's along. So, simple joy of turning up waving. That, there's an element of that. I think it would be wrong to say there isn't, but it's as much. Um, I mean, the normal plan when you're, you know, you're not called back home to deal with lots of sick um, is that you go there the night before you have a a properly good, you know, piss up with the added advantage that you can obviously wander around people's rooms because it doesn't really have opening and closing on the day before. You just wander around people's rooms clutching large quantities of alcohol, if that fancy takes you, um, playing the music that you want to play. And, yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, from an equipment perspective, I've, you know, it, it has a different role. I've not really seen equipment that's had me go, oh, I need that in my life. But I've picked up more pieces of music at that show than I ever have at any normal hi-fi show. Where it's gone, that's great. What is that? Where do I buy it? And, yeah, 
straight cool. off. Cool. So, so it's the hi-fi equivalent of um, something like a car meet where enthusiasts yeah. All, yeah. all sort of go there with their own thing, show off their show off the, their own kit, look at other kit, get some examples of what they might want in their system and so on and, and exchange ideas and I'm sure there's some arguments goes on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's certainly the great advantage, as I say, is if you want to get a handle on. I mean, there's normally a kit list printed up before the um, the ex- exhibitor list printed up before the show itself. If you are looking for an opportunity to hear something which is out of production and not sold by a dealer anymore, it can often be your only shot in the UK of doing that. Which is, you know, that's quite an interesting, quite interesting sort of sideline to it. Cool. I mean, sorry, cool. Were, you, were you were you exhibiting, Ed? Uh, not this year. I have done it twice. And um, I, on the years I don't exhibit, I then help somebody else exhibit. And I think he gets the better side of that deal because his system weighs more than the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if it's the equivalent of a car, mate, how, how do you do your burnouts and your donuts and stuff? What's the equivalent? Oh, just seeing if you can drive people from the room with a solid wall of noise <laughs> is, is, is normally the way forward. So, yeah. So it sounds like fun. So where is this held? When's it held? And what's what's the price to get in on this if people are interested in checking it out next year? Every year, Scalford Hall, just outside Melton Mowbray in Leicestershire, where the pork pies come from. Um, I believe uh, pre-booked tickets were about eight or nine quid, and I think it was, was about 12 quid on the door. Um, and as well as there being lunatics showing their own systems, there is a fully stocked bar, and um, there's always a very, very good... Um, vinyl uh, stall on the ground floor as well, which you can spend a lot of money on if that's your thing. It is for me. What can I say? Okay. Um, We are quickly running out of time in terms of uh, home cinema hardware news, so I'm going to skip over a couple of things in my running order and go to uh, products that are arriving for review. Um, So, Steve, what have we got coming up? Uh, Well, I've got um, Sony's VPL HW55 um, entry-level projector that arrived today, this afternoon. So I haven't actually had a chance to play with it yet, but uh, that's going to be get reviewed over the next two weeks. Um, Epson TW9200, which is their sort of flagship home cinema projector, that actually arrived last Friday. Unfortunately, I've had to replace it because one of the panels is gone. Um, but So again, I haven't had a chance really to put that through its paces yet, but uh, that'll get reviewed in the next two weeks. And on Wednesday, so the day this podcast goes up, I shall be getting Cambridge Audio's Aero 5.1 system, Ed, which I know that you've, you've seen already. Not reviewed, sorry, but you are aware of it. Yes, um, and um, I think your description was uh, sounds great, looks ugly. I'm not I'm not blown away by how it looks, but as Steve points out, if you're in a darkened cinema room, that's completely irrelevant. Um, the, I, mean, I don't want to spoil the surprise. You can obviously look at the website as well, but you're dealing with something which is unique to all intents and purposes and at a sensible price. It's speakers done in a different way to almost anybody else out there. And I think what it does is very, very clever. So um, I hope that you, I, you know, I hope that you, well, I you I find it interesting. A- 5.1 system in, system in for some time now, so I'm quite looking forward to it, actually. Cool. And uh, Hodge, what have you got coming up? Uh, I've got uh, Rourke. Um, <laughs> sorry, I can't say it. You pronounced it wrong. Rourke. 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 Think Rourke's Rourke. Drift. I know, all right. It's okay. just Rourke. his northern accent. It's been, no, it isn't. I just can't say that. I can't say it at all. Uh, what, I can't remember the model of them. They're a little Bluetooth speaker pair. Uh, really, really, really nice they are. Uh, don't want to give these back at all. I've got um, Samsung F5000 uh, LED TV. We notice how the uh, manufacturers don't give us these um, sort of mid-range models until until near the nearly end of line. Uh, but now that we, we start to get a bit of those, which is guaranteed to be really good value for money. And I've got a Denon sound plate and... Some other Bluetooth speakers, Power Fives from Roth, there due this week as well. Okay, and Ed, what are we expecting from you? Uh, there is a pair of JVC headphones. Now you have to forgive me; I'm some distance away from them. And like all JVC products, the model number is is long and involved. But they're the flagship JVC headphones. They'll be going through imminently. Um, hopefully, uh, then to partner with that, there'll be a pair of earphones from AudioFly, US company. And then a little bit later on in the month, when something vast has finally left my house, we are hopefully looking at a surround speaker package from Dali, and then also a more affordable home cinema amplifier from Pioneer. Okay, so that's what's coming up in the month of March. Uh, obviously, we're now just entering that month. So if anything takes your fancy there, then keep an eye on the homepage for the reviews going up. And we'll be back in a sec with Games News. Games News. 
Okay, Mark, we're going to start with a bit of James Bond. Um, GCHQ are considering that the Kinect uh, could be used as a as a spy tool. Sorry, I was just finishing a bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> that's necessary. Well, using it, that really is. <laughs> okay, go on uh, then. The dream. Yeah, um, yeah, this is a, a Guardian story. Uh, there's apparently a GCHQ program, uh, Optic Nerve, which sounds very kind of Bond and sci-fi. Uh, they always think up cool names for these things. Uh, where they were investigating whether they could use Connect uh, on the 360 to grab images, uh, as it was alleged they tried to do with uh, a couple of million of Yahoo users as well via webcams. Um, it kind of all links into the older story of the NSA snooping uh, via live chat and um, agents to be secreted possibly into MMO games like World of Warcraft. And it, it's 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 one of those things that it, it's going to keep on coming up, but it's um, it's perhaps un, unfairly tied around Microsoft's neck now as they're seen as you know the kind of big boys of the part of the establishment and everything. But it it's it's always worth kind of raising the fact that. It's it's basically any camera you have in your home that's pointed at you. If if you have kind of you know intelligence services who want to gain information, then they will look at ways that they might be able to use it. Um, you know, Microsoft have obviously come out and said that they've never heard of this program, and that obviously they're not you know kind of participating in in helping them. But uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of one of those little bits of bad news that pops up as soon as Microsoft dropped the price of the Xbox One. Up comes something that says, by the way, it might be spying on you. <laughs> it's all great now. Yeah. I can't be the only person, though, that had read that and thought that it's basically for the poor sods at the end of GCHQ. Mm. It's going to be like the longest episode of Gogglebox in history. <laughs> you know, for every Worse. second of useful intel, it's just going to be people wearing unsuitable clothes scratching themselves. Well, I mean, if you're looking at the, the stereotype gamer, you can imagine what you'd be looking at there, wouldn't you? But we're not even going to rise to it. <laughs> if I just think, I mean, the images that my connectors seen, <laughs> dear God, it, it, it's uh, like Rutger Hauer. Rook, yeah, yeah Rutger Hauer. <laughs> it would accept death willingly. <laughs> Except they won't be lost like tears in the rain because they're on a big server at GCHQ recorded for immortality. You have to imagine what the suicide rate is at GCHQ amongst those... <laughs> Did, did you have a good day at work, dude? No. <laughs> Lost I watched all... a fat man masturbate for three hours. <laughs> Whilst eating Jaffa cakes. <laughs> Smothered himself in whipped cream. <laughs> no one should ever have to see that. Although he had great technique at sucking the orange out. <laughs> oh, you went too far then, Phil, sorry. Yeah, it, uh, God, that's got to be a sad job, really, isn't it, watching that? I mean, what intelligence are they going to get out of that other than... <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's one of I those jobs, to... you imagine it's given to the YTS boy or something like that. It, it, it can't be top-level Bond agents or something. That would, that would make the next Bond film particularly grim. In fact, there's a quote from someone at GCHQ in the Link Guardian story. It says, Unfortunately, it would appear that a surprising number of people use web conversations to show intimate parts of their body to the other person. Who's <laughs> surprised by that? <laughs> I'm assuming the whole thing was made up by the Guardian, isn't it? Is there any actual any veracity to this story? I don't know. The Guardian have been pretty uh, bang on with their intelligence stories recently. They're quite good at understanding terrorism on account of one of their writers being arrested for it. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so uh, let's get back to some, some game stuff. Uh, new Titanfall tidbits, 15 maps, zip lines. I have no idea what that all means. Tell me what it means. Uh, yeah, this is further from the, the kind of tidbits gleaned from the beta files which at the time I think they were saying that it was going to be 13 maps and you, we've seen from kind of shots from the art books that there are these monsters. No one knows how they, they integrate. But, yeah, this is the latest leak that um, there will be 15 maps. Uh, some of them will have water. Um, you'll have anti-Titan turrets in some of them. Um, be zip lines, which is quite interesting because it's, um, you know, the whole, a lot of the game is based on this idea of verticality and so therefore that will help you cover distances quicker and apparently you can grab onto them halfway along the zip line as well 
Um, they've also released, well, I say they've released, some people think that perhaps it's simply a kind of marketing ploy that this leak is out. Um, but what their prestige uh, variant's going to be, a new thing called Generations, so you'll, you'll reset at a given point and lose lots of things other than the burn card collection, uh, but you'll gain experience points at an increased rate. Uh, campaign, there'll be nine different matches in there, uh, four hard point, five of attrition, um, a new game mode, Pilot Hunter, where only pilot kills will add points. And yeah, as I say, the still to me though, the most interesting thing is these big shots of these monsters. I'm it's, really it looks ridiculous. It's like a diplodocus with ridiculously sized legs. I've just taken a dinosaur and just it's stretched its legs out. A diplodocus. A diplodocus. A diplodocus walking over a rock. Yeah, over a rock. Have you not? Have you seen the pictures? A diplodocus. 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 I've just seen the photos. Yeah, I see what you mean. They just look. It's like if Salvador Dali did dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he makes speakers instead. Yes. Yes, they do. Dailies. You mean dailies? Uh, sorry, Mark. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, yeah, as I say, I'll, I'll very much I was hoping there'd be some kind of uh, mech on kaiju action, uh, but it, it you know they look like they may just end up being something in the background. No one's fully sure. So it, presumably, you can only use the zipline when you're a person, not a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fine. Obviously, I'm not keeping up with the conversations on this for obvious reasons, but. Um, this this is touted as being the game to to change Microsoft's fortunes. That they've they've added the price cut in there as well on the consoles. It, is this going to turn around the fortunes for them? Do you think? Uh, fortunes in terms of uh, Xbox One sales. Are you talking? Yeah. Uh, what well, the problem is? It's not an Xbox One exclusive. That's kind of where they they shot themselves in the foot. Which is it, it's kind of almost marketed as such. So virtually all the blurb <laughs> will be about it on the Xbox One. But it's also on the 360 and it's also on the PC. So unless they can kind of really hype it up and say why you should be getting it on that, um, I, I think you know perhaps the dedicated servers that will you know that will come into play. But you'll you'll imagine you'll be getting greater um, graphics on the PC. Uh, so it's it's almost like it's on the middle system being on the Xbox One. Uh, I can't see the PC hurting the sales too much. They're kind of a different market, aren't they, console and PC gamers? But 360, I, I think, yeah. I think they would have been better if they didn't put it on that. Yeah, answer. because, I mean, mo- most people who are kind of... Uh, who are going to pick up a One probably already have a 360. So, if you know, when the reviews come out, if it's not radically different, you know, will this be the game to make them drop, you know, kind of £400 on a new system to look that much better i just don't know if it will okay cool and uh, last story was uh, the wii u has finally overtaken the uh, xbox 360 in japan yeah uh, kind of almost belatedly it's crawled past um one about the 1.6 million uh, units sold mark uh it, it's it's kind of it's not really a, a marker to boast about because the the, the yeah, 360s, that mean that the 360 hasn't sold very many <laughs> Units well, the th- in Japan, or the three, yeah, the three sixty. They count the units sold each week, usually in kind of hundreds, sometimes just scores. <laughs> so so that, that's that's not really no, it's not a great kind of a benchmark, but it, it's yeah, it's it's home territory for Nintendo. So obviously, it's it's a you know, it, it doesn't make them look that great. But uh, by the same token, the the kind of console market you could say is is waning there. Um, and I would have said that had the PS4 not sold 300,000 in its first yeah, two days. I was about days. to say, <laughs> that do in its launch? <laughs> yeah, it, it beat the PS3, uh, what that sold in a similar time frame, by about 90,000. But there again, the PS3 was priced higher and that was seen as kind of underperforming in, in sales terms. So it's, it's, yeah, you can obviously see where Nintendo still have to go there. Okay, and uh, to wrap up on games, uh, games podcast coming up next week. Have you guys started planning yet? Do you know what's coming up? No. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> do, you need, do you need me at this stage, Mark? <laughs> yeah. What, what's the plan there, Mark? I've no idea. All right. So that's the games news. Uh, coming next is movies. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so uh, like I said at the start of the podcast, the Oscars were last night in terms of uh, recording this on the Monday to go out on a Wednesday. It was a bit dull, really, Steve, wasn't it? I mean, I think yeah, most, uh, most of the things was, that we uh, thought we were going to win won, basically. We talked, we, we talked about the Oscars when the nominations came out um, um, a couple of months ago. It, it was very predictable. I mean, uh, ever since the film was released, everyone's been saying 12 Years a Slave would win Best Film, and it did, uh, which kind of pissed me off a little bit, really, because... I found the film to be, I, I didn't really engage with the film at all, personally, on an emotional level. Um, I just thought it was kind of Oscar-worthy stuff that always wins. And I'd rather have seen them give it to something like Gravity, which, you know, may not be the best story ever written, but, you know, in terms of pure filmmaking, it is groundbreaking and therefore deserves recognition. Now, of course, it did get recognition because it, it won the majority of the awards that night. It didn't win Best Film, but it did win Best Director. It won Best Editing. So Alfonso Cuarón actually took away two awards last night. Uh, it also won Best Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, Best Special Effects, of course, and Best Music. So it took home seven awards in total. In terms of the uh, actor Oscars, they went exactly as everyone expected. So Matthew McConaughey did win the Academy Award for Best Actor for his performance in Dallas Buyers Club. Um, now, I understand eight... that that is richly deserved. No, totally, absolutely. It still no, no. gives me a headache, the thought of it. <laughs> the man who is in failure to launch in Sahara... <laughs> Has I'm won I'm an Oscar. Like to name but two. Yeah, you, you say that, Ed, but I started watching True Detective at the weekend. Oh, no, 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 I understand. So oh, it's like someone's Jesus, hit he's... him over the head and he's got an amazing brain injury that's made him good at acting. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's un- what it's like. It's unbelievable, the metamorphosis he's yeah, undergone. Yeah, totally. But nonetheless, I'm still thinking about the early films where literally he could be out-acted by some of the lighting rigs. And the man, <laughs> is, the man has won an Oscar. I mean, if that's not proof that we can all improve in our that's chosen it. careers yeah. beyond all recognition, I don't know what is. Yeah, work hard, buy a car. Yeah, that's the best message ever. <laughs> but yeah, thoroughly deserved um, on his part. As was Jared Leto, who also won for Best Supporting Actor for Dallas Buyers Club. And again, he was superb in it. That was his first film in six years. Uh, act- actresses, we've got Kate Blanchett, of course, walked away with the Best Actress Oscar for Blue Jasmine. I mean, that's, that's been, everyone's been saying that since that film came out as well. And um, Lupita Nyong'o, no, Nyong'o, Nyong'o, Lupita Nyong'o. Do you want me to help with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Northernise it for us, Mark. No, Lupita Nyong'o. She's um, not well, Kenyan actually. Um, she, she won Best uh, Supporting Actress for Twelve Years a Slave. She beat out Jennifer Lawrence, who won the BAFTA a couple of weeks ago. She was hotly tipped, so no surprises there. Uh, in terms of uh, the writing awards, Spike Jones picked up the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for her, um, whilst uh, John Ridley picked up Best Adapted Screenplay from Twelve Years a Slave. So Twelve Years a Slave actually won three in total. It won uh, film. Supporting Actress and um, Adapted Screenplay. Um, Catherine Martin won two awards last night for The Great Gatsby for Best Production Design and Best Costume Design. She's actually the partner of um, Baz Luhrmann. Having met Baz Luhrmann, I am staggered to discover he's not gay. That's not a big homophobic. He was, un- he was unbelievably <laughs> cat, wasn't he? I thought he was just going to say he turned you down. <laughs> <laughs> no, he... he, he... Definitely comes across. So <laughs> it comes across really camp. I mean, we, it was a Panasonic uh, at CES. That the three directors. There was Oliver Stone. There was him and um, <coughs> Michael Mann. Michael Mann, and probably the best sort of forty-five minutes of the whole show. To be honest, it was fascinating listening to them. But yeah, he came across really, really camp. <laughs> he was as camp as a maypole, but uh, apparently not gay. So there you go. Um, best animated you film. Can be Frozen? Bi. You can be Sorry? bi. Oh, You're yeah. just assuming that. Or she's a beard. Maybe. Uh, You're saying he's uh, in a lavender marriage. (laughs) It's always my favourite phrase. Like most of the Conservative Party. Disney won. Get the lawyers out. Disney won Best Animated Feature for Frozen. Uh, That's been a smash. It's made a billion dollars worldwide. Billion dollars, wasn't it? That's that's Mm. pretty staggering these days. And it also won Best Song for Let It so Go. So are you saying, Phil, it's almost pretty much recouped, recouped the uh, Lone Ranger? Oh, yeah. no, Disney, Disney aren't bothered about the Lone Ranger because they, they've also had the Iron Man 1.2 billion. Iron Man 3, rather, 1.2 billion. They, 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 they've more than covered the cost on the Lone Ranger. But will they have learned a lesson? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> Just looking at the list, I do disagree with... Um, I, I haven't actually listened to the Gravity score a great deal. I still maintain that the Captain Phillips score was the best of the ones nominated last year. So I, I, say, I, re- I don't think the Gravity score is a score you could listen to on its own, but 
as I suppose, a part of the no, film. That, that is fair, I guess. That there's no, as a part of the film, the opening chords alone, as, as the credits come up, where they say, you know, in space, it used to go, temperature goes from this to that, and there's no air, et cetera, is actually terrifying. There's this really big brass section coming in. It's, it's really scary. I think it's a brilliant score. And it is also, because there's, well, the sound effects are done in a realistic fashion, so you only get sound when someone's touched something, so it induces through their body, um, means that a lot of the score has to carry the film. I, I thought you were uh, a Thomas Newman fan for saving Mr. Banks' head. Yes, yeah, so I I just, as I say, I, I, taken on its own merit, I just thought the Captain Phillips score was, was superb. Um, I also, um, just trying to stay tenuously on topic, but be 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 ridiculous at the same time, there was a, um, a comment from uh, Bill Bryson earlier on, um, Obviously, Dallas Buyers Club won best makeup and hairstyling, and he was saying they could have just gone to to any makeup salon in Des Moines, Iowa, and achieved the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but but <laughs> Stanley, Stanley uh, they spent two hundred and fifty dollars on makeup. Yeah, apparently that was the budget. Yeah. <laughs> so I suppose they, they probably did go to a makeup salon in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned Captain Phillips. That was one of. The, I mean, that was a film that was largely ignored in the nomination I'm, stage. No I'm surprised Tom Hanks wasn't uh, nominated for that. Even nominated, no. And other big losers. Well, American Hustle had ten nominations, didn't win a thing. Um, you got to think. You got to think. Makeup and hair for that one. Well, that, yeah, the hair alone for that one should have been. I don't know why it didn't get a nomination uh, at the very least because it's a film where everyone's wearing a hairpiece of some sort. Uh, strange. Uh, Both Wall Street didn't win anything, and The Hobbit didn't win anything. Um, second year in a row where yeah. Jackson's gone away empty-handed. So it would seem as though Hollywood's love affair with Middle Earth yeah. is well and truly over. Yeah, totally, totally. So that is um, the Oscars. Like I said in there. I started True Detective at the weekend. I don't know if anybody else has seen it yet, but I have to say, I'm two episodes in, and I am hooked. It is absolutely brilliant. Woody Harrelson's fantastic in it as well. So if you get the chance, uh, get yourself into that. It's going to be the next big thing. That really, it's really on my to-do list. It's on the Sky box set thing, thankfully. So um, I'll be attending to that. I should be buying it on Blu-ray. Well, obviously, not watching it on get, Sky. Get you. I just buy records instead. <laughs> uh, talking about TV, I, I did slag off Top Gear two or three weeks ago. Um, got to say the uh, fifth episode, which went out last night, back on Formed, really was back to its best. Uh, they actually did some car tests uh, with hot hatches. A little bit disappointed that there wasn't an Audi model in there. They did the the Golf GTI and the BMW M1. Was it the M1 or was it it's the, the M- M135i? No, M135i. It's not a true M car, no. apparently. So. No, but what was funny was him lose, uh, losing control at 140 miles an hour and it took a quarter of a mile to come to stop. Well, to be fair, though, it's a runway. Their runways are drained differently to normal public roads. Apparently, you can do some amazing bits of aquaplane because, obviously, if a, if a plane lands, it's, there, there's, you know, with... Um, with flaps and the rest of it in landing position, reverse thrust, so on and so forth, it behaves differently. Planes don't aquaplane in the same way, so runways drain their, their their fluid off differently. But no, it was it was illuminating. But um, perhaps because I don't know, I maybe there's an, un, an unknown suicidal streak to <laughs> it, me of those two cars. I'd have infinitely preferred the BMW. To the would Golf. you? Oh, I think it's ugly. I don't like it. I don't know when you're in it. You don't nice. have to look at it. But well. it's got the right set of wheels driven. It's got a six-cylinder engine. And uh, yeah, it just looks it looks a laugh, and you can have it in blue rather. I mean, the the review sample <laughs> last night was red, and it doesn't look right at all. Yeah, but um, but no. In terms of cinematography, though, that that Porsche nine one eight seat that was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely, it had everything brilliant. everything that Top Gear should be yeah. was encapsulated in that. And totally. uh, let's face it, any car that shoots blue flame out of it is is all right <laughs> in my. Point, I, that was fair. phenomenal. The way they got that shot as well with the camera on the back of the car with the exhaust. I mean, that was just. Oh, stunning, absolutely stunning, and you know that that racetrack in Dubai, with a hotel that goes over the top of it as well. Yeah, that's just stunning, absolutely. But by the stunning. time the Formula One season gets to Singapore and the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, honestly, you look at it and you think that, honest to God, looks like the tracks you used to play on Wipeout on PlayStation yeah, One, totally the anti-grav does. racing. You know, it's literally all we've got is crack now is anti-gravity, and we're there. Maybe the, I mean, actually, Formula One might be livened up considerably if they introduce the weapons pads that they do <laughs> in the track. I've been taking that, that for a long time. They just strap <laughs> nitro to the backs of those cars and just like, go hell for leather and see who gets <laughs> survives. Basically, oh, no, you can, honestly, make you it can more do it. You could do it in the same way that they do it with with all the curves and boost systems they've got now. If you had pads 
on the track. And obviously, if one car goes over it, sorry, I clapped. That was unsuitable with the microphone. If one car goes over it, and then obviously the car behind can't do that, it, then there's yeah, that that could be properly cool. But um, yeah, maybe that's an argument for another day. But I I do agree with you, Phil. Although I would say that. Um, whilst I've got a lot of time for that chap who did Breaking Bad, I don't think it was a great guest. And I think the cycling segment was fractionally longer than it should have. Yeah, it was a little bit. But it, it's back on form. It, that was that was more of a Top Gear episode where they were doing some something original as well. Um, and the best thing of it was the look on Jeremy Clarkson's face as he lost control at 140 miles an hour and was sliding for a quarter of a mile. <laughs> It's, I, don't know, it I don't know about you, but under those circumstances, I'd have been throwing my trousers and underwear out. There would have been, <laughs> yeah. there would have been no, no laundering would have survived. Well, you, you could tell he'd, he's done that before because he took his hands off the wheel and that's the first thing you should really do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, If you're going to hit curbs and stuff, hands off the wheel, people. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I'm afraid you and I differ considerably on Audis. I mean, we've both participated in that um, Audi uh, RS1. The, no, the S1. S1, yeah. S1, if I had 25 grand in my bank, I'd be buying that car. I'm sorry, you must have must have had... You, yeah, I know you, you claim you don't drink, but you, you must be inebriated when you say something like that. It's a bloody polo with a Haldex that, clutch. No, I'm sorry, that's... No, I'm sorry, that's, that, that's just not the case. It's like there, there's quite a bit of uh, uh, equipment that, that it's all based on the same chassis or all based on the same running gear, but you can make things completely different. And... Uh, no, I don't agree with you. And well, I've no, had you twenty-five an Audi. I mean, the only Audi I've ever, I've ever owned, company car, uh, single. I mean, I, I realised at that point why so, so many Audis are driven so badly is simply because they're so uncomfortable. Oh, I mean, I would have done rubbish. anything to the right-hand drive conversion team at Audi <laughs> must be three teenagers <laughs> and a surrealist. It's you're, you're, just you're talking absolutely. You're awful. talking rubbish, Ed. You're talking rubbish. My A4 is the best car I've ever owned. I would also point out Hands that you're. Down. How should I put this? You're quite a lot shorter than me. So some of the, the grievous discrepancies in where the seat, the steering wheel and the pedals are won't be quite so apparent for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Sorry, no, I, I, it's on my, list of, on my list of brands I don't have any interest in ever buying ever again. No well, question. that's your loss, isn't it? Uh, Steve, what do you own? Audi. Yeah. But right, can you drive? No, I take the bus. <laughs> so when they do a Top Gear that that covers that i'll be fine so yeah. when you say you take the bus do you take it grand theft auto style uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah <laughs> hijack oh, said. i wish i did <laughs> <laughs> right okay so uh we're going to come back to movies and uh, the blu-rays and what steve's seen at the cinema in a little while but first it's time for mark's weekly av snack recipe Biscuit theme, but this one's dedicated to bar, right? This is a cheesy chili biscuit, although it's not technically a biscuit, I'm just calling it that. Um, so it's very simple get a bowl and onto uh, 350 gas mark for uh, that's 180 as well. Uh, uh, you get a good couple of handfuls of cheese, uh, mix that with uh, about, I'm not really good at quantities, so I kind of just do it by sight, but I, th- I would guess about three ounces of butter um, beat that together add in some green chilies to taste uh, some Worcester sauce uh, like a dash a couple of dashes of Worcester sauce and then um, well your favorite hot sauce so Tabasco or whatever you can get you can go a lot hotter than that uh, and mix it with about, about five ounces of flour with a whisk beat it all together you'll end up with a dough just form that into uh, balls, which is uh, like with a teaspoon, sort of te- with a teaspoon, uh, and then put it onto a baking tray. Kind of squash them down so they're about a centimetre thick, and then bake for about 20 minutes, and out come crispy, cheesy, chilli, biscuit-type frittery things. And Can then just a type of cheese, Mark. Cheddar. Oh, or oh, oh, brie. No, not brie. I'm just joking. Good melter. You know, take your pick, Gruyere. That'd be quite nice. But, well, you know, stick to cheddar. Cheddar's generally what people have in the, in the fridge. So uh, that, that'll work quite well. And then you can just then maybe some dips with it. I, I would buy those if I was you. Uh, salsary type things. Uh, that would work quite nicely. Very easy, very tasty, and very spicy. Mm-hmm. 
you see, I don't necessarily agree with that. Mr. Everyone should experience the limitless disappointment of trying to make their own guacamole at least once. I've done that. It worked out all right, actually. It works out all right once you get the hang of it, but you will, you will. I don't. Very few people get it right first time. Yeah, it's just, tomato. It's tomatoes. It's just avocado, making sure. It's just, just making sure that lemon hits that avocado sufficiently fast that it isn't turned brown. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And sad. That yeah. that's quite a challenge. But I'm, I'm uh, so dif- difficulty rating on this one, Mark. Oh, it's really easy. Uh, out of ten, a ten. <laughs> after difficulty rating of about two. Right. Okay. Ten and. Ingredients are easy to get hold of as well. Uh, most people yeah, should probably have got them. most of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what do we think uh, with us? Um, I well, see, I like cheese. I love a bit of cheese on, on a cracker. I'm a big fan of a bit of cheese. Glass of port. I'm a happy man. I've never been a fan, strangely, of cooked cheese dishes like quiche or any, anything where you're using cheese, apart from maybe cheese on toast. I'm, that's okay. But generally, I'm not a fan of, of cooking cheese well, pizza. in dishes. Yeah, there are exceptions to the rule, but... It's pretty crispy. It's a, pretty, it's a crispy texture. Yeah. It's not soggy in any way, like a quiche. But I'll give it a go. No one wants to play the soggy biscuit game. They don't want soggy. <laughs> nice and firm. But right. Uh, I like it. I like it. Um... Similarly, it, it sounds a little bit like biscuits I seem to remember making in school. Uh, that kind of thing, those kind of little oh, cheesy biscuits. Basic, you, yeah. you, you were in the home economics class, were you, Mark? Primary school. All right, okay. <laughs> but I'm sure I did make something like that at secondary school as well, anyway. Uh, no, good. Uh, uh, the only thing I'd question is, will I make it too hot if I st- stick in hot cheese? No, go for it. It's you and your obsession. <laughs> just do I've, only got, I've got two types cheese of cheeses in my fridge. Make it with Monterey Jack if you want. I've got two types of cheese in my fridge. Mexicana and an extra hot Mexicana I've just started. I would stick with just the, the basic Mexicana then, if I was you. And maybe right. you see, I've got many cheeses on the go, and then I have many bottles of hot sauce. And, oh. and if I wish to combine the two, I can for a cheese that would be devastating in comparison to this mexicana rubbish but equally uh, i'm, so, I'm sorry wanna... right can i just say point something out here the cheeses with chilies actually in them can get far hotter than your hot sauces hot sauces I... once you build i'm sorry once you build up a tolerance to the average supermarket hot sauce or anything like that you're done the tabasco when i first started it was fine i can practically swig it from the bottle now you know I have I think got... that doesn't have a scotch bonnet in it that's fresh it's just weak i'm sorry I'm sorry, I've got a sauce that comes from a nice little farm near my parents, Anna Valley Chilies, and it's a it's a ghost chili sauce, so Naga Vipers, mm. you don't get used to that. It can stain well, can work I... surfaces. If you spill stuff on Formica, you have to wait until UV radiation hits it, <laughs> until it actually comes back out of the plastic. And I'm thinking, I wonder what that's doing to my insides. It's fantastic. I would say it's a different flavour, though. It's a different flavour chili sauces in comparison to when you've had fresh chilies you know i always keep some scotch bonnet around i grew my own nagas actually um and and it's a completely different it's it's a warming flavor it, it grows on you rather than the hot sauces which i i always find a little bit acidic but i always use i've used fresh chilies when i cook i mean obviously they don't they don't that they don't sit around for long periods of time because I, I do you know food with them i used um for the first time i actually experimented with the uh, arbol chilies on friday night uh, for uh, the uh, veg- veggie chili nachos, and that it was very successful on the Friday night. For both, <laughs> it was less successful on the Saturday morning. I will say that I'm grateful not for the first time that this house has two separate loos. It's quite handy. Why am I going to say that? you're grateful you've got a ready supply of nappies? <laughs> like a water <laughs> house this weekend. It was like Johnny Cash. What can I say? Ring of fire. <laughs> Well, I've actually got done a summer's hot stuff running through my head at the minute. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, right, so Ed, what was your uh, final verdict on Mark's uh, suggested snack? Uh, it sounds interesting, and I, I have to say, I wouldn't shy away from a brie under those circumstances. You could, although it might affect the crispiness of the final product. Yeah, it would be a bit soggy. I do agree with I do agree with uh, Mr. Hodgkinson there. Although that said, because my wife is a keen baker of sweet things, I've got one of those nice elevated trays that goes over the standard flat tray, which would probably give you quite an even cook across all the surfaces. 
which yeah, might, you just, might you alleviate just up, some of that. Up the flower content to dry it out. Yeah, that might work as well. They'd have so, to up yeah. chili content as well as well. That, that that that's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing not. Okay, uh, before Mark has to go, because I can hear the kids in the background there. Um, what were our thoughts on last week's? Did anybody try the uh, the pizza on the pita bread? You can lie if you want. Actually, no, I, I didn't. But my wife, uh, my wife had a quick go on them and thoroughly enjoyed it. Good, uh, good. What about the pita pizza? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, okay, I can hear the kids in the background, Mark. Uh, best, it, probably best if you foxtrot Oscar now. Yes, I uh, shall bid you farewell, chaps. <laughs> uh, yes, so thanks okay. very much. Uh, if anybody's got any questions uh, they want to put to Mark, then put it under the podcast in the feedback forum uh, or send us an email to podcast at avforums.com. Uh, we use suggestions for uh, t- tasty, tasty, tasty snacky recipes uh, for watching movies, and we'll have more of that when Mark's back on the podcast. So thanks, Mark. Ciao. Okay, so uh, let's move on. Uh, before we go to the cinema, let's see what's out on Blu-ray this week. Uh, we've got Gravity, Bad Grandpa, and The Haunting Connecticut. Uh, which one would you recommend, Steve, quickly? Easy. Gravity, uh, it's state-of-the-art picture and sound. Uh, some interesting documentaries about how they actually made the film. Uh, it's got a documentary about the uh, the theoretical effect of one satellite hitting another satellite, which is the con- you know, concept behind the film itself. And also a, a short made by the director's son, which actually ties in with the film, which is quite clever. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gravity is a... If you're a fan of AV, which I'm assuming you are if you're listening to this podcast, then Gravity is a must-buy for everybody. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> or biscuits. <laughs> I think, I think the, the passion that's been shown in talking about biscuits and pizzas and little spicy snacks, if we showed that passion with the actual hardware we're supposed to be talking about, this would be a cracking podcast. I don't know. I think I think we're carving our own niche as most miscategorised podcasts Pun intended. in the UK. <laughs> Uh, right, okay. Uh, descriptions, really, shouldn't we? Yeah, I need to go for a pee. So, uh, what is that? The cinema, Steve? <laughs> uh, um, well, there's three films that open this weekend The Book Thief, Ride Along, and Nonstop. Uh, the Book Thief and Ride Along, the reviews are already up on the site, so feel free to read those if you want to. Uh, I'll talk about Nonstop. I'm not actually well, I'm doing the written review, that's going to be Kaz, but uh, I'll talk about it because it's probably the more interesting of the three films. Um, it's Liam Neeson. Um, he's become the go-to action man of, of, of modern cinema, I suppose. It is the strangest career arc. Is it, Bizarre. An article, 20 years ago, he was nominated for Schindler's List. He's done the opposite. He's done the opposite. He's serious actor to rubbish films. Well, McConaughey's gone from rubbish films to serious actor. Do you reckon there's a, a, a hilarious... But 61. 60. Do you reckon there's a hilarious buddy swap, a brain swap, you know, like Freaky Friday? They could actually just cast cast them both and then just do it do it do it actually as a fly on the wall documentary. Fantastic! It's actually the second film I've seen Liam Neeson in two weeks because obviously he's also in the Lego Movie, uh, playing bad cop, good cop. Uh, in this one, he plays an air marshal, um, and, and it's kind of it's kind of the you know Neeson Neeson's doing these action man roles now, but it's always like you know he's he's a troubled man. He's not just a, just a, you know, it's a more complex character. So he's he's possibly an alcoholic, judging by the, the initial scene of the film. You know, you see him on the phone, he's having a drink, he's got the shakes, he's like, he's not, he's not a happy man. And you're kind of thinking, immediately thinking, would, would they would they let somebody like that be an air marshal? <laughs> Put him on a plane with a gun? Uh, yeah, well, okay, it, later it, on in the film, you discover that he used to be a New York police department, New, New York uh, police officer and was uh, and left the force because of personal issues. Again, are they going to hire someone like that to be an air marshal? Are they that desperate for agents in the US Air Marshal's office? I don't know. It seems strange. Anyway, he gets on the plane. He's obviously, uh, it's a nonstop flight from uh, New York to London, hence the title. And he gets on the plane and then about, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the flight, he gets a message on a secure um, phone that the mayor marshals have telling him that, you know, that, 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 that someone's going, this person's going to kill a passenger every 20 minutes uh, unless he gets $150 million. I've got to say, the film is, is it's utterly ludicrous. Some of the plot points are, uh, when you stop back and think about it after, you think, oh, that's just ridiculous. How could they possibly have known that? Um, having said that, it is enjoyable hokum. Uh, you know, uh, check your brain at the door, and for an hour and a half, you'll, you'll, have a, you'll have a good time. It's directed by the same guy that made Unknown, which is also starring Liam Neeson. Although I've got to say, Unknown I thought was a really good film. It was kind of marketed as being like Taken, which is, wasn't like at all. But uh, I quite enjoyed that. And this is along a similar vein. You know, the, the plot's kind of not as clever as it likes to be, um, and doesn't really hold 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 close scrutiny. But uh, it's certainly enjoyable. Neeson's always watchable. I mean, the car, you know, it's well made. It's just utterly ludicrous. Uh, but, you know, it's a solid seven fun movie to watch. 
Cool. Uh, so the other two, uh, like Steve said, are up on the site now, the uh, Book Thief and uh, Ride Along. So go and read them. And uh, Nonstop should be up by the time this podcast goes up. Well, I think that's all we've got time for for this week's uh, AV Forums podcast. Thanks very much for listening. All I need to do now is thank Steve Withers. Fat, drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Mark Botwright. Is he bigger than me? And Ed Sally. Christ, seven years of college down the drain. Might as well join the fucking peace and don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmark AV forums for the latest reviews, news and video. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you again next Wednesday. Wednesday.